Yeah. How you doing? Welcome to the podcast. Today is Sunday, December 16th, 2018. A rainy Sunday, a rainy weekend. Welcome. I would categorize this as a holiday episode. Perhaps the next episode will be for Groundhog's Day. Maybe. If I can work up enough punk Satani film material. So back in the podcast, uh, Mission Control here, a couple thoughts and ideas. One, spent the weekend like a young college boy following the band Ween for two nights. I was on tour, brah. Uh, caught them in Philly and then again on New York the next night. This was not the original plan, but I ended up uh, with multiple sets of tickets. and uh, and uh, But it worked out well. Fun weekend. Fun weekend catching music and uh, being on tour. The Met. Ween played The Met on Friday night. This is a new venue in Philadelphia. It opened up the beginning of the month, and it's got some cool bills and comedians on the lineup. So Philly has a new, there's a new sheriff in town. My review of the venue, nice. Cool seating. It was an opera house that is refurbished, and they kept that opera feel with these cool seats as if Felt like a place in which Abraham Lincoln might get assassinated. That's the vibe. Um, good sound, cool lighting, security a little cranky. Like I was just standing. This you're thinking I'm going crazy. Like the security, I had problems with them. Well, here's what I was doing. I wasn't acting like a maniac. I was standing in the lobby and talking to another gentleman, and that was enough to draw heat. Security said, "Okay, move it along." So. If you like venues in which you can stand and talk to another person, the Met is not for you. And the 12 bars, the much ballyhooed 12 bars that exist inside the the Met per the review is merely 12 roped off areas that lead to a cooler full of beer. So calling it a bar was a bit of a stretch. Those are my critiques and criticisms, but I would definitely see another show there. One final thing. I know that they're still working the kinks out of this place, but there was one flight of steps in which the last step was a real doozy. And I watched a number of people uh, stumble because the step was bigger than the other ones. And I think one's mind starts to anticipate how deep a step will be. And boom, people would stumble. And there was a security guard there whose sole job seemingly was to catch people when they stumbled. She would say, whoops, I got you. Whoops. I stumbled. And she got me. Then I started to look back and observe what was going on with this last step. I think it would be more cost effective to fix the step than to hire a security guard to catch people. A security guard that would require health benefits, dental, vision plan. I think fix the step. But that was the Mets solution. to it. It's early. They're still working out the kinks. I'm sure they will fix the step. There was, it was opened um, in first week of December. Bob Dylan opened the new venue and there was a a retrospective before he played of Dylan's shows in Philadelphia throughout the years. And one snippet that I learned was interesting. Dylan 
In the 60s, while playing Philly, apparently went over to Burr Home Park with some people and played dodgeball. Burr Home Park being a park in which I grew up very close to. So it's interesting to imagine Dylan playing dodgeball here. The article said, alas, no photographic evidence of this exists. It's just a word of mouth legend. Would Dylan be a good dodgeball player? I don't want to get hit by you. Don't throw the ball. That's, I don't know. That impression is starting to go off the rails. Uh, I imagine he would not be good. I imagine he would not have the cardio to really dodge a ball. But it's amazing to think that. And then I found this tidbit out. The rock and roll punk rock legend godfather Sid Vicious he wouldn't be the godfather since he died young in a punk rock way. Sid Vicious was right near my house as well. When I was a boy listening to my punk rock and skateboarding, uh, little did I know that Sid Vicious was only a few blocks away sleeping in his girlfriend Nancy's parents' house in Hollywood, Pennsylvania. Because that's where she's from. Was from. Sid and Nancy. The tragic punk rock Romeo and Juliet story. Um, and it's interesting. What if I had known that he was right down the street? I thought the Sex Pistols were in England, and little did I know. Sid Vicious was at the Hollywood Tavern, probably. I'll have a bloody England lager. Oi! Oi! Why do Brits do that? <laughs> Oi! Was that a good thing or a bad thing when they make that noise? It just encompasses everything, I guess. It's like John. No, in fact, I, I, when I looked at the math a little more, I would not have been a contemporary of Sid Vicious being in there. But by just a, uh, a couple of years. It happened in the 70s, but I was starting to get into him in the 80s. So we missed each other by a couple of years. But you never know. Who might be right next door? Dylan or Sid. Hey, this, this podcast is brought to you by and sponsored by Integrity Wealth Management. They can help you with your portfolio management, retirement planning, financial planning, estate planning and services, life insurance, wealth preservation strategies, and wealth preservation strategies. Please contact them at 215-864-3598 or visit their website at www.integritywealthmanagementmgmt.com. Thank you, Integrity Wealth Management, for your support. Um, so, so that was Friday, saw Ween, and then saw them Saturday, a little town called Port Chester, New York, and, uh, on the ride up, I always put on New York stations, because you catch some great hip-hop and some underground stuff, and I came across a Spanish station, which was excellent. I was kind of salsa in the whole ride up there, but I did hear this during the commercial, and it made me smile. I gotta admit, it made me smile. It was an ad for Christmas or something, and it was... Entirely in Spanish, this ad, so I didn't understand quite what was being said, but I did pick up this. It's, they said Kmart and Yacy Penny. Yacy Penny. Uh, is that okay to smile? Can I smile at that? Because I don't want to live in a world in which I can't smile and feel a little happy when I hear Yacy Penny. Um, a comedian once said about Kmart and Target, he said the difference is I forget who, who this comedian was. I remember seeing the stand-up. He said, the difference between Kmart and Target is that at Target, they dust the stuff off. 
at Kmart, they don't they don't dust it. It's dusty the stuff at Kmart. That's the big difference. So, but I was digging that station on the ride up. Sometimes people ask me about uh, how I got my books published. So this is maybe an interesting story for some of you uh, might be interested in this. How many times can I say interested in a sentence? Let's see. Uh, so I'll tell you that story briefly, and there's a little bit of a little bit of a kicker at the end that is more podcast punchline type of thing. So. Uh, it took me about eight months to write my first book, The Trail. I wrote it every day at a coffee shop. I did not get the Wi-Fi code, so I wouldn't uh, screw around. So I would focus on the manuscript. When it was done, I sent it off to a bunch of places and got zero responses. I couldn't even get a rejection letter. It was as if I was sending this off and just putting it right in the sewer. Just putting it right. I could not even rise to the level of rejection. Then I started to get some rejection letters, and I thought, oh, I'm on to something here. So I uh, went down to the World Horror Convention, which is held once a year in different cities. This year it was in Austin, Texas. And the reason for my journey was this. They said, if you've written a book, you can bring your manuscript and pitch it to a number of horror publishers and, and just book publishers, fiction publishers, and uh, you can pitch it in a sort of literary speed dating process. So I sat down with manuscript. They said, hurry up, kid. Tell me what your book's about. You got three minutes. Quick elevator pitch. Thank you very much. And you go down the row and you talk to the next one. And I did that and uh, didn't hear anything after that for three months. And I thought, what a waste of time that was. And three months later, a publisher out of California said, hey, can you send us more chapters from your book? I said, certainly. I can certainly do that. I sent the chapters, and then maybe two weeks later, they said, we'd like to publish your book. And I said, yes. So that was exciting. But the reason I bring all of this up is this is where uh, the story is, for your sake. When I signed the contract, they assigned an editor to me, and she contacted me a few days later and said, hi, I'm, I'm excited to work with you. I've read your book, and we're going to have fun with this, and uh, and welcome aboard. So I wanted to leave a good impression because this is my potential hobby, career, who knows where this can go, and I wanted to uh, really get off on the right foot. So she said, uh, "You'll be, in I'll be in touch with you again soon. Let's have fun. She signed off, namaste. Namaste. Now, at the time, I had never heard that term before. Now I know it has something to do with hot yoga. But at the time, I never heard the term namaste. So I replied to her, hi, namaste. It's Brian. Hi, namaste. Yes, I thought that that was her last name or her first name, actually. Namaste. It was not. So I was a little mortified when I found that that's, that wasn't the woman's last name. Not getting off on the right foot. Have you ever gotten off on the wrong foot with someone? The wrong foot. She was fantastic, though. We quickly got over the namaste gaff. <sighs> Had the holiday work party the other day. I feel like I was killing it. My material was slain at the holiday work party. I, out of the corner of my eye, I distinctly remember seeing someone doubled over. Doubled over. At like a 90 degree angle. 
a gut buster. I was giving them the, the A material, making puns that were like 76 levels deep, that worked on 76 different levels, these puns. Just verbal gymnastics as I held court. And then someone walked by, I didn't know this woman, um, and we haven't spoken before, but she walked by and she said, what is this? Listening to me talk. She said, what is this? Is this from something? It's from my dome. It's from my dome. It seemed in her mind that this was me uh, doing an impression of a film that I had seen. But that's just my life. That was just me talking off the dome, my friend. I sounded like I was from something. <laughs> um, my family, whenever we have a dermatological issue, we go to the same ointment that we've been using for a decade. It's called Urtasma, and it cures everything, folks. I want to sponsor this product. It's this, uh, now at, at this point, it must be horribly out of date, this product, in terms of its uh, freshness, yet it solves every dermatological issue you've ever seen. And I don't know what will happen when we run out of this thing. The family ointment. The family ointment. It's in my toiletries right now. Now, I was looking at my shampoo, and I heard this on Sports Talk that, like, uh, yeah, I got some grays going on here, folks. I'm not going to lie to you. Silver Fox is starting to happen. So I thought, should I dye my hair? I don't know. Because I'm looking at my shampoo, and I hear on Sports Talk, like, you can buy shampoo that uh, gradually, gradually dyes your hair for you. As opposed to this just for men, this goop that you put on there and wait for a time period, and you know, and then it's time to rinse it out. This seems much less involved. Just the shampoo. It seems much less vain to use this shampoo. Maybe I, maybe I will. I don't know. I dyed my hair once with Just For Men. And uh, this was a couple years ago. And I vowed not to do it again. Not to get involved in that business. Because I got the wrong color. I got chestnut brown. And uh, my hair is lighter than a chestnut brown. I, I went too dark. And I was like, oh, man, I didn't want to go to work on Monday because I had, I was like, you know, people are going to say, I was like, you know what? Nobody will notice. It's fine. Nobody's fixating and cares about your hair. Nobody's going to notice. Just get into work and still get over yourself, you know? So I got into work and the first person I bumped into was the librarian. And she said, did you dye your hair? So they, uh, they did notice. I said, yeah, I don't know. Maybe. I said, maybe. Uh, chestnut brown. I might try this product that is seemingly less vain. It just happens to be in this shampoo. By happenstance. I didn't even realize it. I must have grabbed the wrong one. We got our tree for 85 bucks. What the hell is going on here in Bucks County? Um, and we put decorations on it. And I had what I thought to be a brilliant observation. My wife has ornaments. I have ornaments. We both have ornaments from our childhood and from our parents' childhood. And isn't Christmas the merging of family ornaments? Isn't that what family is? The merging of ornaments on the tree. And you lose a couple each year, and you gain a couple, just like family. 
I thought that was really profound when I thought that the other night. Ornaments are us. We are the ornaments in our own play. Then I went out to dinner with my wife. I feel like sometimes she takes a long time to get to the point of a story. I know she's not going to like that. And she doesn't like this. And we bickered a little bit the other night over this. I said, come on, out with it. And here's what she does. It's not that she takes a long time to get to the point. It's that she speaks in reverse syntax, in French syntax. She leads with the object. Were she to begin a story, it would begin with the car, but it would never, the people that are involved in the story come at the end of the sentence. So I never know what the subject, what these verbs are connected to until the end. In other words, I know who's receiving the action, but I don't know who's generating this story, what this story is about until the end of the sentence. Flip your syntax, hun. Flip it around. And then we're out to dinner. There's a chalkboard inside the restaurant, and people write various things, literally the writing on the wall. And uh, you would think that I would drop some profound profundities uh, on this chalkboard, but no, I just write go evils. I just, sometimes I, I don't have to be the podcaster all the time. I can just write go evils. It doesn't have to be cerebral all the time. But at the work party, uh, the conversation came up of strange gifts, odd gifts. And if you received your first Holy Communion, like I did, uh, in the mid-80s in the Philadelphia area, I'm guessing I'm not alone in the gift I received for this. And what my gift, my first Holy Communion gift was... Uh, was a bar of silver, a silver bar. Did you receive a silver bar? Some people perhaps received gold bars as well for the more hoity-toity folks. I'm surprised I didn't receive a bronze bar. Anyway, gold or silver is not really the point here. The point is what? What were we supposed to do with those bars anyway? I just sold mine. I didn't... I didn't know what to do with it anymore. I got 300 bucks for it. Was I supposed to study the silver market over the past 30 years and sell when silver's high? I don't know. Become a silver prospector? Do you still have your silver and gold bar? I bet a lot of these met tragic ends. I could imagine some of my friends either selling them for drugs or, uh, or a gambling debt. I could see the silver bar going that way. Yo, you caught me a little short, but uh, I got this silver bar. Uh, I could see that happening. No, I, I'm not going to give you the whole thing. I'm just going to uh, chisel off a couple silver shanks. That ought to cover the rent. A couple shanks off this bar. So I hope I did the right thing. I sold it, 300 bucks. What do you see tomorrow? Silver will just go through the roof on the stock market. And I'll be kicking myself. Hope I did the right thing.
got my flu shot a couple of weeks ago over at uh, Walgreens, and I asked the woman, I said, is the flu here? Did anyone get the flu? Is the flu here? She said, well, uh, the flu flu season started a couple of weeks ago. I said, yeah, I know. Did, did anyone get the She said one person got the flu. <laughs> she said, yes, that one person came in with the flu. And I thought, what a dumbass that just you got the flu. Seems a bit much. You seem a little melodramatic. Let's all look at you, the one flu case. Get over yourself. So we'll say, I got it. You know about Gritty, folks? Gritty is the new Philadelphia Flyers hockey team mascot. He's been around a couple months, and he's probably the Philadelphia sports story, I would say, this year. If we're going to count the Eagles Super Bowl as being the last year, uh, Gritty has taken the city. Uh, we are enthralled. We are intrigued and confused and giddy for Gritty. If you haven't seen this mascot, he looks like his eyes look like Charles Manson's. They're googly eyes. He looks like the type that could easily start a cult. But he wouldn't just be the manipulative cult leader. He also looks like he could murder as well. He wouldn't just be some sort of passive prophet. He could also rip your throat out. Gritty. Little kids going to the hockey game are having nightmares about this thing. It's just got dead eyes. Dead like a doll's eyes. <laughs> and, uh, and, all, and we love him. We already gave him the key to the city. He's the most revered Philadelphian since Ben Franklin. I'm a big fan. I'm a big fan. I might get him for my birthday. Just the two of us in my basement. Gritty. See, because people, and when he first rolled out, people were like, everyone laughed. They said, that's the scariest thing I've ever seen in my life. That's a horrible, horrible mascot. And then globally and across the country, people started laughing at our mascot, our Philadelphia mascot. So this is this is the Philly mindset. Then we circle the wagons and we protect our own. We say, no, you can't laugh at Gritty. He's ours. <laughs> now you can't leave. Uh, and we now we love Gritty. We rally around our own and uh, it's us against the world again. We will go down guns blazing for the honor of our mascot. But that's football. No, it's not. That's hockey. But I would watch football with Grady. Not that in I would invite him over to watch football. Eagles are terrible. They have a very, very slight chance making the playoffs, but everything must fall into place. And uh, the Super Bowl hangover is real. Disappointing season. Which means I can sort of, at this point, the only silver lining is I can pull back a little bit and watch less football because, unfortunately, it's not meaningful games in December, which is rare. Usually they are meaningful. So what do I do with my extra time, my non-football watching time? I'd like to invest it by paying attention to my kids again. <laughs> I'm joking, kind of. By paying attention to my children because football season is now over. Oh, no, the Eagles aren't on. What, what are you doing this weekend, then? What, what grade are you in now? Seventh? <sighs> Getting big. Going to be in high school soon. It's awful. It's 
It's not true. Hey, is there a, uh, your school doing one of those uh, back to school nights this year? Dad, it's December. That was in September, the back to school night. It's December now. Yeah, because I didn't, uh, I didn't get a letter about that, the back to school night. How you doing on pens? You need any pens for school? Refocused on the family now that the Eagles went in the tank. How am I doing on pens? I wouldn't mind a couple new pens for Christmas. Hint, hint. Stocking stuffer. Now they're going to try to do an XFL. A renegade football league. Maybe it's called something else. There was an XFL. There's always this starter league that's trying to kick up, like a new league in the springtime. It's not going to work, I don't think, because they never do. Because here's the thing. Football is great, but it's also great when football ends. Everything has its season. The fall and the winter are football. If you put it in the spring, you're screwing up all of biology. There's a time to gather stones and a time to cast away stones. There's a time to watch football and a time to pay attention to your daughters. If football went all year, it would be horrible parenting. Vince McMahon is running this one, and apparently he's going to let you bet on every game and every play. And you can sit in your seats in the arena and punch in your bet right before the play goes off. What? Look, just because the technology can figure it out, is it right, Jim McMahon or Vince McMahon? Jim McMahon is the quarterback. Vince McMahon is the the wrestling guy who's now trying to start this uh, football league. You know, I know, Vince McMahon, that you've figured out the American lizard brain. Clearly, you're a master with your product of wrestling and now betting on every single play. But just because you can figure out the technology and just because people will do this, is it right? Do we have a responsibility? Should he protect us from our lizard brain or no? Is it total free market enterprise? I don't know. I'm back and forth on that. It's not going to work. We already have a second football team in Philly. The Philadelphia Soul, which is Arena League football, which nobody watches unless you get gifts, tickets for free as a gift at the work party or something. The only people at Philadelphia Soul Games are people who won a gift basket at a work party, which included free Philadelphia Soul tickets. Nobody would go willingly. Nobody would ever say, you know what we should do this weekend? We should go see the Philadelphia Soul. That's never been said. Said no one ever. To use uh, internet parlance. Is that the word? Parlance. Um, Bon Jovi owns our Philadelphia Soul team. And I feel like, now, why did he do this? Does he want street cred among sports people that living on a prayer doesn't earn him? Gene Simmons from KISS also owns an Arena League football team. I feel like, here's my take on this. I'll bet both John and Gene were mercilessly bullied in high school because, you know, they showed an interest in music. Because there was a degree of sensitivity. Well, maybe not so much in KISS albums, but an interest in music, which I guess you leave a little tiny crack open and the bullies swarm. So now... 
this is like trying to write what happened in high school. I'm finally going to get the respect of sports guys. And yet, John, I think he lost even more respect because, you know, arena football, really? Nobody watches that. So I don't know. I, I was not a bully in high school. I did not bully people. I just had a ball. I had a ball. I was a friend of all men. Music guy. I was like, oh, yeah, cool. That, that band Primus you introduced me to. I like that. Sports guy. Good friends at the party. Uh, you know, I was top of the food chain. Bullying would not have helped me in any way. I would not have benefited from it in any way. I was friendly with everyone. Blissfully unaware that people had sad high school experiences. Didn't know that. I do now. Now I feel like my job as a teacher, part of it is repentance almost. It's let me save people. Not that I was mean to people, but let me save the people that are, that are hurting. That's what I see my role. A bit saintly, I know. Um, I think the football season will bomb, though, these renegade football leagues. I did the half marathon uh, a couple weeks ago, and I started to run again. And uh, so after running that 13-mile race and training for a couple months, I uh, got back out there after the race, and I ran one mile, and then I just stopped and went home. I was one mile, and I was going to run five miles. I ran one mile, and I just thought, nope. Something in my body just said, nope. And that was it. I haven't run since. I need something new. I still haven't thought of my new 12-week challenge. But somebody's commented on the marathon picture because there is a me picture of me standing underneath the finish line and the marathon is billed as Dietz and Watson's Philadelphia Half Marathon. My friend inquired why a local uh, lunch meat uh, provider would sponsor a marathon. What interest cold cuts would have in a marathon? Seemingly cold cuts would not have a horse in this race. I could see Nike sponsoring a marathon or Gatorade. But baloney and long-distance running seem to be incongruent, wouldn't you say? Sodium, a lot of sodium while you run. Dietz and Watson's half marathon. Only in Philly would a marathon be sponsored by lunch meat. <laughs> I like a good cold cut. When my daughters have their friends over, I want to serve them like lunch, like uh, two pieces of white Wonder Bread and a couple slices of bologna. Just bologna sandwiches on white bread. The mothers would be horrified. Just get in the car. Get in the car. And I fed them. I fed them lunch. You don't have to worry about lunch. We have bologna sandwiches. I don't even think bologna's legal in Bucks County. <laughs> That's bologna. I know. It is. It's really a, a cold cut of the past, of yesteryear. So when I was running in the, uh, when I did that one mile anyway, I ran through a cemetery and, uh, and then I had to walk my way out since I didn't run uh, out. And I was looking at the headstones, fascinating headstones. 
It's an art in itself, isn't it? The marble, marble sculpture and headstone. Saw the coolest one. It was a headstone, but on the top of it, it was a birdbath. So it like served two functions. I like that. Now you get crapped on a lot. But I think that would be nice to have the birds gather near me, on top of me. The gathering of a murder of crows. Um, murder. My buddy said, well, you know, he would like the headstone with the birdbath or maybe a headstone that doubled as a water fountain. A nice water fountain. So you could pay your respects to him and then get an icy cold drink of water. I think that's nice. Even in his deceased state, he'd still be helping the world. From the beyond. All right. I'm going to go to the beyond now. Beyond here, anyway. Hey, thanks for listening. Uh, probably do another podcast around the holidays, another holiday or something. So this probably serves as my Yuletide cast. Uh, we'll see, unless inspiration comes. As always... Questions, comments, concerns, complaints, Brian Francis podcast at Outlook.com. Have a wonderful, uh, it's a wonderful life, folks. Bye-bye.